Our passage this evening is uh, Titus chapter 1, uh, verses 1 to 4, which really sets up the whole book of Titus. Uh, so please open your Bibles to Titus chapter 1, uh, or follow along on the screen. It's page 1184 of the Pew Bibles, as it says there. As we come to God's word now, let's listen to him speak through his word. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Saviour. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Saviour. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. Uh, let me ask God to help us understand his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for preserving your word all these years so that your people could access them all around the world. Now please open our hearts and our minds so that we may understand your word and apply it faithfully. Now please remove all distractions from our minds as well and give us energy uh, to focus so that we can be spiritually refreshed. Now please assist me in speaking clearly and faithfully about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And please enlighten and awaken us today so that we may be useful in your service. For we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. Amen. Uh, have you ever noticed that people can behave like animals sometimes? I mean, people can be really lazy, can't they? Uh, lots of people lie and just do whatever makes them happy. Uh, you're probably sitting there thinking, well, yes, that's just the way the world is. And you're right. Uh, but I was actually talking about Crete, the place that Titus lived almost 2,000 years ago. Uh, you see, uh, not much has changed, has it? In a lot of ways, uh, Crete is just a small version of Australia. Uh, both are islands with massive potential. Both are places where people uh, did what they wanted or when they wanted. And both were places where people were interested in spiritual health, uh, but not in the God who provides it. Uh, if you've got your Bibles open there, if you look at verse 12 of chapter 1, uh, one of their own Cretans outs them. It says this, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. How's that for hate speech? You see, Paul is writing to Titus in a situation much like our own, in a culture much like our own, about how to spiritually thrive, how to be spiritually healthy, how to be godly in a godless culture. You see, let's take a think for a second about our own culture. Uh, what is our culture fascinated with at the moment? Is it not mindfulness and meditation and the like? And why are people so interested in this, I wonder? 
Well, I'm sure you know the answer. It's because people are noticing how mental and spiritual health is so important. Um, have you, you probably already know, know this yourself personally. I mean, have you ever felt flat? Have you ever felt uh, like you don't have any motivation, no purpose? Uh, do you, are you sometimes dissatisfied uh, with life? Uh, these, are all, these can all be uh, symptoms of poor spiritual health. The Bible speaks to this, actually. It says that our spiritual health is really tied up and as a result of sin. So we suffer poor spiritual health because of sin. Uh, but the Bible sometimes uses different words to describe our spiritual health. Uh, like in the book of Titus, uh, God describes it as godliness, which is what Titus is all about. And so our big question today is, how can we be spiritually healthy? How can we be godly in a godless culture? And we can do this by focusing on three things in our passage. We can hear God's truth, believe God's promise, and see God's grace. So hear God's truth, believe God's promise, and see God's grace. So point one, hear God's truth. As we hear God's truth, we learn how we can be spiritually healthy. And as we grow in our knowledge of God's truth about him and ourselves, we can grow in godliness. Uh, it's no secret that knowledge usually changes how we think and what we do. To think of an example, um, think of a sign that says, high voltage, do not enter. Well, your newfound knowledge tells you that you should hop over the fence and touch uh, sorry, um, you should not hop over the fence and touch whatever's there if you want to live. Uh, it's like when a new book comes out or a new movie that you're interested in. Uh, what do you do? Well, it produces some excitement in you and you usually go out and get it if you're anything like me. You see, knowledge usually leads to change. And notice the connection there in verse 1 between knowledge and change or in this context it's called godliness look with me verse 1 it says paul a servant of god and an apostle of jesus christ for the sake of the faith of god's elect and their knowledge of the truth which accords with godliness you see knowledge of god and his truth leads to godliness that's why paul is writing this letter to titus and to believers so that their faith may be built up. So that their knowledge in God's truth may be built up. But how does this work exactly? I mean, this seems a bit abstract. How does this come down to us? Well, when we focus on God's truth, we see our spiritual problem clearly. And we see how we can be spiritually healthy forever. In a word, it's the gospel. It's the gospel that shows us how we can be spiritually healthy by trusting in Jesus' work alone. And you're probably aware, in our day and age, many think that you can be spiritually healthy by doing mindfulness or meditation or something like that. But have you ever, have you ever considered how each of these types of practices really focuses on you? It puts you in the centre which is actually the opposite of what God's word teaches. You see, God's truth 
says that we can't spiritually satisfy ourselves. We need God who made us and knows what's best for us. We, I mean, we barely know how the brain works, let alone our own spirits. So how can we presume to know what to do and how to be spiritually healthy without God and his truth? So we should be really grateful that God has communicated to us through his truth about how we can be spiritually healthy. Of course, faith does play a key part in the process. It's through faith in God and knowledge of him that actually leads to godliness, yes. Uh, but we should also be focusing on how uh, we need to um, really focus on the truth and faith and not separate the two. Like, let me give you a, a, an example. Just say I wanted to become like you, but I didn't believe you existed and I didn't try to get to know you at all. Uh, would I be like you at the end of the day or five, ten years from now? Well, of course not. Uh, so it is with godliness or being like God. We need to have faith in him and knowledge about him to become like him, which is godliness. Uh, yes, there is a secret work of the Holy Spirit in this, but God also chooses to use his word uh, to make us like him. Now, so let me ask you a personal question today. Uh, when you read God's word or hear it, are you listening in order to grow in godliness? Uh, no doubt there are probably things in your life that would make this difficult. Uh, maybe it's a busy uh, time for you at university or at work, or maybe you've got young kids which are a blessing, I want it on record, they're a blessing, but they also require lots of energy and attention and love and patience and the list goes on. Or perhaps you're sitting there and you're getting really defensive. You're like, I just can't handle one more thing to do. I don't have the headspace or the time. Oh, I get it. I am with you there. I'm suffering from that age old burden of too much to do and not enough time to do it. But hearing God's truth doesn't necessarily mean doing more things. Uh, it's really about listening and listening well to God speaking his word so that we can be spiritually refreshed. Uh, this really came home to me a few years ago uh, when I burnt out. Well, how did I burn out? I hear you ask. Thanks for asking. Well, it was actually because I wasn't listening to God's truth well. You see, I was reading God's word out of duty. And so when things got really tough, particularly during COVID, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't function. Everything was dark and it was just a very difficult time, to put it mildly. I'd been relying on myself rather than on God's word to shape and nourish me. I was reading it just like any other book without giving God's word the authority and compassion to speak into my life and my situation so that I would be spiritually nourished. Friends, don't make the same mistake that I did. When you hear God's truth in his word, listen and listen well so that you can be spiritually uh, refreshed. Let it shape you, refine you, sustain you, motivate you, 
for each and every day. If you've only got five minutes or one minute, whenever you read or listen to God's word, always ask yourself, how does this comfort me? How does this uh, challenge me? What's it saying about God? These are the things you should be focusing on and letting that speak to you in your situation. Remember Jesus' words. He would always say at the end of his parables, uh, let he or she who has ears to hear, let them hear. And as we do, we will see the Holy Spirit work in us to spiritually grow and nourish us so that we can become more like Christ, more, more godly. And so we've seen uh, how God, hearing God's truth actually leads to godliness and spiritual health. And now we'll look at how um, believing God's promise can do the same. So point two, we should believe God's promise. Uh, when we believe uh, what God has promised, we get a living hope that enriches our spirit. And by believing in God's promise of eternal life, we grow spiritually. Uh, this is seen there in verse 2, where it's speaking about the hope that we have, which is based on God's promise. Look with me. It says this. In hope of eternal life, which God who never lies, promised before the ages began. In that jam-packed verse, we see two very important things. Firstly, God doesn't lie, and so his promises can be trusted. And secondly, God has actually promised this before the ages began. It was there from the beginning. And this actually helps us grow spiritually too. Now how? Well, it helps us know that if we feel spiritually healthy, this is actually the hope, the thing that we have been looking for. We have been looking for someone who we can rely upon 100%. We have been looking for someone who has a plan and the power to accomplish it. And that's God. He is powerful, eternal, loving. He can be trusted. Uh, we saw this in Psalm 52, where David speaks of this when he says, I will trust in the steadfast love of God for how long? Forever and ever. You see, God didn't need to promise us anything, and yet he does. He gives us real hope, eternal life with him. And so when and if you feel spiritually dry, you need to ask yourself the question, uh, do you find comfort in God's promises? Do you find that your soul is like a sponge and you just soak it all in? Or does it wash off you? See, we need to remember that this has been written for the sake of the faith of God's elect people, for their comfort, but also to build them up. We saw it there in verse 1. I don't know where you're at today with God. That's between you and him. But we need to remember that God doesn't lie. But not only does he not lie, he can't be lied to. You can't outsmart God or try and bargain your way into eternal life. Now, that's the bad news. But the good news is that God offers us all eternal life when we trust in his promises. It's a free offer, but it cost him greatly. 
You see, Jesus needs to go to the cross to die in your place and in my place to secure eternal life. That's how he did it. And when Jesus rose from the dead, being the first to rise, to never die again, he secured our hope forever. And now those who would like to have spiritual health, all they need to do is believe in God's promise. But that's just really the tip of the iceberg. So my question today for you is, do you believe this? Do you believe in God's promises? You see, we shouldn't be like the man described in Psalm 52, who trusted in his own possessions and wealth instead of God to his own destruction. Sure, it's true, people will boast in evil things in our day and age. They'll lie. They'll trust in what they've got rather than in God. But we're called here to believe in God and his promises because he doesn't lie. He has shown us many times that he is faithful and trustworthy. So can you say with David that you will trust in the steadfast love of God forever and ever? So we've seen how we can be spiritually healthy and godly by hearing God's truth and believing his promise. And now we'll uh, look at how seeing his grace actually helps us grow spiritually. So point three, uh, our spiritual health thrives when we see God's grace. As we see his grace, we are humbled and inspired to live his way and grow in godliness. Now look at verse 3 with me for a second. There's a key word in there. The key word is the word manifested, if you're reading from the ESV. Uh, manifested is just a big word for appearing or revealing. But let's look at it, how God is speaking about his promise in verse 3. It says this, And at the proper time, manifested in his word through the preaching with which I've been entrusted by the command of God our Saviour. You see, there are three mountain peaks in Titus, and I hope to get to them through, you know, throughout the rest of the year. But the three mountain peaks are this. The first one is our passage, verses 1 to 4. The second mountain peak, mountain peak in Titus is chapter 2, verse 11 to 14. And the third one is in chapter 3, verses 4 to 7. And why do I bring this up now? Uh, because in each of those mountain peaks of Titus, it speaks of the appearing or the manifesting of God's grace to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And what's interesting in our passage in particular is it comes through his word. Now that's how we receive God's grace and peace mentioned in verse 4. Now so when you hear God's word, uh, you need to be looking for his grace. Now let's, let's use our passage um, as an example, in verse 2, God promised us eternal life when he didn't have to. That's grace. In, in verse 3, sorry, it says that God revealed his saving plan through Jesus, which Paul has been preaching. That's grace too. He didn't have to do that. That's grace as well. And in verse 4, it clearly says grace and peace is offered to us from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Saviour. Could it be much clearer? You see, can you see God's grace? 
But, but how, does this, how does seeing God's grace actually help us grow spiritually? Well, it helps us by motivating us to live for him rather than for ourselves. And why do I say this? It's because there's a common belief that in order to grow spiritually, we need to do more good stuff and maybe less bad stuff as well. And if you were to think like that as you read the book of Titus, uh, you'd be missing the whole point. Sure, Titus is an extremely practical book. It shows us how to be godly in our, in our leadership, in our families and in our community. But that's secondary. What's primary is that we see God's grace and let that motivate us in how we live. Don't you see, it's when we take our eyes off ourselves and focus solely and ultimately on God and his grace that everything is put in perspective. We begin to see ourselves as God sees us, as his redeemed people. You know, David captures this as well in Psalm 52 when he speaks about how the righteous see things clearly as they wait in the presence of the godly. Now that's, that's actually us here today. As we gather each Sunday, we are in the assembly of the godly, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Don't you see how seeing God's grace is so much better than mindfulness and meditation and the like? If you're spiritually dead, as Ephesians 2 puts it, then it doesn't matter what you do, you will never experience lasting spiritual health. The Bible is not primarily about self-improvement. It's about God and his grace, how it appeared in the person and work of Jesus Christ, how it shines brightly there on the cross of Christ, dispelling the darkness in our hearts. It's about how God has graciously saved us, who were his enemies, and how he deals with our sin and shame on the cross so we can have peace with him forever. I see God's grace in all its brilliance today. I let that refresh your souls so that you can be spiritually healthy both now and forever. So let me ask you my final personal question. How would you rate your spiritual health today? Or better yet, how would you rate your godliness? You see... We never drift towards godliness. You will either be drifting away from God and his ways, experiencing poor spiritual health, or God will be renewing you inwardly each day as you hear his truth, believe his promises, and see his grace. Maybe you're sitting there and you're feeling spiritually unhealthy and you don't want to be anymore. Well, the good news is that you have an opportunity Today. You've heard God's truth in Titus 1. Uh, you've, you have an opportunity to believe the promise of eternal life through the person and work of Jesus. And you have an opportunity to see God's grace and live his way. This is the way that God has designed us all to be spiritually satisfied. Stop living your own way. Now throw yourself on the grace of God and trust in what Jesus has done for you alone. Don't leave here without peace with God. Or perhaps you're sitting there and you've heard God's truth. You do believe his promise 
and you have seen his grace. But you feel like there should be more. You feel like you're stagnating. You're going nowhere fast. Rather than a raging fire, you feel like a flickering candle. Or how does a God's word comfort you today? Well, you also have an opportunity to reignite your faith by drinking deeply from God's word. You have an opportunity to reaffirm your trust in his promises to you. And you have another opportunity to see his grace on the cross of Christ and let that motivate you to live his way. Remember, God doesn't lie. He can be trusted. Don't let the temporary situation that you're in have the final word. Let God have the final word. Listen to God more than your circumstances, more than your well-meaning friends and family, even more than listening to yourself. See how far God has gone to save you. See his grace on the cross promised ages in ages past, but is still helpful for us today. Meditate on these rich truths until you feel the Holy Spirit revive your soul. Uh, Let's ask God to do this work in us. Uh, Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for speaking to us through your word. Uh, Please help us to really listen to your truth whenever we open your word. Uh, May our knowledge of your truth increase so that we may grow in godliness each day. Uh, Please enable us to believe in your promises, to trust them, even when others around us scoff or ridicule us. Uh, Please captivate us with the beauty of your grace. May we readily look to the cross of Christ and respond in obedience and gratitude. Uh, This we ask in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, who is the radiance of your glory. Amen.